My grandfather has a saying. He'll say, you don't have a dog in this fight. And that's usually as a way to ward off one of his children or us grandchildren that are starting to stick our nose somewhere where it might not belong. We're starting to insert our thoughts or feelings or opinions into somebody else's conflict. And there's some practical wisdom to it. In fact, there's actually a proverb that warns against grabbing the dog by the ears. It's a sure way to get bit. Yet, it's important that we also realize that while we might not actively contribute to something wrong that's happening, if we, as followers of Jesus, stand by, if we allow wrong to take place, if we even make it easier for the people that are in the wrong to do what they're doing, we become as guilty of anyone. And we can't really be a bystander. We'll get drawn in to worse and worse ways of acting ourselves, if we're not careful. We see that as Acts chapter 7 begins to move into Acts chapter 8. An early follower of Jesus named Stephen just gave a compelling testimony before the Jewish council. Yet instead of being convicted by the powerful truth that he preached, the Jewish leaders react very poorly. And they have some people that help them in their very wrong reaction. In Acts chapter 7, beginning with verse 54, we read, And when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So much about what we see the Jewish leaders doing to Stephen here is wrong. They're not listening. They're not being convicted by the truth. They're losing their temper over getting called out on how they were wrong. They stop their ears. They act in a way that was likely lacking in their legal authority. They weren't supposed to carry out executions like this. The Romans reserved that power for themselves, so they were probably breaking the law with what they did in this spur of the moment. They weren't acting like the august leaders of their people. They were acting like a frenzied mob. And one of the young men who was there learning from them, studying at the feet of some of their members, was a young man named Saul. Now, as far as we know, Saul didn't throw any stones at Stephen. Saul wasn't one of them that was out there breaking the Romans' law. But Saul stood by while the council did. He stood by and watched it happen. And it didn't stop there. 
because Saul wasn't merely some passive observer. Because as we move into Acts chapter 8, beginning with the first verse, we read that Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him, but Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. You see, even if you don't actively speak evil against somebody, even if you don't actively participate in something that hurts them, if you stand by passively, while it happens, if you don't speak up, if you don't try to intervene, to try to redirect, not only do you share in the guilt, as Saul would later reflect on him as being guilty of the death of Stephen because of his participation that day, though he never threw a stone, it'll also lead you to start to react in ways that aren't great either. It'll start to normalize ways of losing our temper, ways of being impatient. It'll set a bad precedent. It'll follow a bad example that will then spread worse and worse so that instead of being convicted by truth, instead of humbly listening, we get the idea that the ways to fight fire in our eyes is with fire, that we've got to push back, that if somebody shouts us down, we shout them down even louder. Sometimes we as people today take those cues from our political figures, from our 24-hour news cycles where we hear anchors or pundits speak certain ways and we start to parrot that in our own conversation and our own social media posts. Sometimes we see that reflected in how we act, that if we as parents act a certain way, our kids start adopting that in terms of how they deal with wrong. Sometimes we even see that in the church, that if leaders only respond to a certain type of communication or if leaders handle their problems a certain way, that'll start to get normalized so that everybody around takes part in that as well, or that if there's one leader who acts a particular way and all the other leaders go along with it, soon that just becomes the way things are done around here. But we can't do that. We can't do that if we want to be right in God's eyes. We can't allow behavior that goes against truth, behavior that's out of step with the example of Jesus, with the steadfast love and faithfulness, the mercy and forgiveness that God shows us to be normalized. Jesus would preach in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, that blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And that's what we're called to. When we are in situations where conflict is brewing, when we see within our families or a circle of our friends or even brothers and sisters in the church, people that are starting to get nitpicky or backbitey or gossipy, when we start to see wrongs being committed, it's not enough for us to say, oh, well, I don't have a dog in that fight. Certainly, we need to be wise. Certainly, we don't want to participate in the gossip. Certainly, we don't want to weigh in as though we have all the answers when we only know one side of it, and maybe even less than that. But we do need to have hearts that don't stand by why wrong is committed, why tempers are flaring, where we start to think that that's the way things are done, but where we intervene, where we put ourselves out there to disrupt bad cycles and bad patterns and focus us all on Jesus. Eventually, Saul would 
be focused on Jesus. When in the midst of this campaign of persecution, the risen Jesus himself would appear to him and his whole life would change. And Saul would look back with regret on how he conducted himself in those days, on how he had been a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent of God, even though he really thought he was in the right. But he holds himself up as an example of God's perfect patience for us so that before we get that far down the road, before we stand by while wrong is done, we might learn from that example that we might in the moment think, how does God see this situation? What does Jesus want done here? What is the truth in God's eyes? And to be people that don't stand there while rocks are thrown, but to be people who make peace like Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who we follow, the Son of God at his right hand, one who is tempted in all the ways we are, who knows what it's like for us yet without sin. We follow his example. We be like him, and instead of standing by, we'll be like him.